This week's sponsor is absolutely perfect for true crime fans, especially those of us that love a twisty, turny murder mystery. June's Journey is a game set in the Roaring Twenties. June's sister Claire and her husband Harry were found dead, and June is certain that they've been murdered. Now she must travel to New York, where her sister's estate was, to look after her niece and solve the mystery of Claire's death. You go along the journey with June, searching for hidden objects in different locations from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris, uncovering hidden clues to solve the mystery as you go. I'm already on chapter six and the mystery has gotten so good. I cannot wait to uncover more clues. I'm also loving how you get to customize your very own luxurious estate island. That's right. Let your imagination run wild as you decorate your island with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. My pool is literally insane. It has a waterfall. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free on iOS and Android. I'm glad that the Scientology episode is behind us because for three days afterwards, I was paranoid. I was walking the dog and a white van would like pull up next to me. I'd be like, dog, we got to (laughs) go. Or like I was... (laughs) On edge. (laughs) Mm. Uh, This is how paranoid we are. We just think they're listening. Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk all about the real life creeps from con artists to serial killers. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Mogap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around stressors, big and small. For me, this comes in the form of work, too many deadlines, relationships with people, irrational fears of the future. When we keep them bottled up, it can really start to affect us negatively, mentally and physically. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. My therapist has really been helping me work on coping skills for how to handle my stress, how to handle day-to-day tasks that I struggle with, as well as working on communicating and improving personal relationships and just talking through problems with somebody who understands. It's something I wish I'd started ages ago. But finding a therapist is so overwhelming. Are they taking new patients? Are they taking insurance? And once you find one that says yes to both of those, are they a good fit? If not, you have to start the process all over again. If they are a good fit, you've got to figure out some way to fit appointments into your busy schedule. But BetterHelp takes away all of those barriers, and I'm so thankful. I love my therapist. I really feel like they took my questionnaire that I filled out when I signed up and really used it to match me to the perfect person. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Creepers today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Creepers. So, what are you telling me about this evening? I'm so excited for this one. I cannot wait to tell you this story. Today, I am going to tell you about the Lululemon murder. What? <laughs> like the leggings? like the leggings so you've heard of lululemon yeah okay so you know they're like super fancy athletic wear like 90 dollars minimum for leggings i went on their website and i saw a pair of leggings for 170 dollars no yeah 170 dollars 170 dollars for leggings for like 
thick pantyhose. And they've had exclusive pairs at their pop-ups going for $300. Leggings. I'm in the wrong business. Yeah. So you buy your $170 leggings and then they put them in these red bags with these sayings on them like, living in the moment could be the meaning of life. Don't ruin this for me because I do want to get a pair, but I have heard they're life-changing leggings. I do not own a pair. Again, if anyone would like to sponsor your girl. They would not want to be sponsored by us after we finish this story. Oh, no. First Chanel and now Lulu. (laughs) I quit. So our story starts on March 12th, 2011. Rachel Ortley arrived at the Lululemon store she managed in Bethesda, Maryland, which is like a wealthy suburb in Maryland. It was actually ranked the most educated place in the United States. So I feel like that should tell us something about it. (laughs) The store was located in between a stationery store and an Apple store on Bethesda Row, which is an upscale shopping area that draws really big pedestrian crowds on the weekend. I went and looked it up on TripAdvisor and someone described it as the best shopping street in the USA. I would lose all my money. (laughs) No kidding. And I'm like, okay, have you been to Rodeo Drive or like Fifth Avenue? (laughs) Yeah. But Bethesda Row, apparently, best shopping street in uh, in the U.S. Rodeo Drive and Fifth Avenue both also have Lululemon stores, just by the way. (laughs) So Rachel was opening the store that morning. She expected to walk in, unlock the doors, turn on some lights, maybe count some money. She got about halfway into the store when she heard some faint noises coming from the back room. It sounded like moaning. And that's when she noticed it appeared the store had been vandalized. (gasps) So she immediately left the store because she is all of us. And she called 911. And she ran into this guy named Ryan who had been standing in line outside the Apple store waiting for the newly released iPad 2. He did it. (laughs) Ryan. Rachel asked Ryan if he'd seen anyone go into the store and he said no. He'd been there for quite a long time because he'd lined up, you know, for the new iPad 2. Yeah, like a crazy person. Yeah. He asks if she wants wants him to check it out and she's like, sure. I'm like, Ryan, you crazy? She heard noises in the store She already called the police and you want to just go in and check it out. Like, are you trying to be the big strong man? Like what? Yeah, this isn't a horror movie. You go the (laughs) other way. Like you can wait for the police. So he walks towards the back of the store while Rachel's waiting by the front. And as he walks farther back, he noticed broken glass, stuff knocked over, blood stains scattered all around the store. He walked down the narrow hallway toward the back of the store, past walls that were covered in blood, streams just running to the floor. Oh my God. Bloody footprints swirling all over the back of the store. He noticed a pool of blood seeping from under the back door. And he tried, not, and not the back door to the store, like the back door to like their back room area, like their yeah. stock room. He tries to push it open, but it stops. It's jammed against something. That something was the body of a Caucasian woman lying face down in a thick pool of blood. There was a metal toolbox on her shoulder, and on the back of her head was a wide open gash. (gasps) The back of her pants had been cut open. This was 30-year-old Jaina Murray. Also, Ryan, what are you trying to prove? Do you have a hero complex? Yeah, for sure. But that's when he, like, leaves. He walks back. He (laughs) heads back to the front, and that's when he sees another body lying in the bathroom. This was the body of an African-American woman. Her wrists and ankles were bound with zip ties and there was something twisted around her neck. 
Next to her head was a white rock about the size of a baseball. Her face was bloody, her socks were stained with blood, and the crotch of her black yoga pants had been torn open. Mm. But she was moaning. She was (gasps) alive. But she looked in really bad shape. This was 28-year-old Brittany Norwood. Are these employees of the Lula? You are... Sit tight. Hold on to your pants. I can't. I can't. I'm freaking out. Hold your pants on. Yes, these were both employees. So let's take a minute to talk about these victims. Do we have to? I'm already upset. I know. It's really, it's pretty upsetting. Jaina was the supervisor on duty that night at the Lululemon store. She was a world traveler, fluent in Spanish. She had a really fun personality and people just loved her for it. She loved to go bungee jumping and scuba diving and skydiving. And she loved to go salsa dancing. When she was younger, she'd been in the Girl Scouts for a little while, but her dad was a troop master for the Boy Scouts. So she started tagging along with him and her brothers to Boy Scout events and she would go camping. She learned to tie knots, start fires and could wear a baseball cap. <laughs> she she could probably pull off a baseball cap really well, much better than you <laughs> or me. <laughs> she wasn't allowed to receive Boy Scout merit badges because she's a girl, uh, but her dad would give them to her at home. And Aww. she was just two months, two months shy of getting two master's degrees from Johns Hopkins University in D.C. One cow. I know, one in business administration and the other in communications, and she was on track to get engaged with her boyfriend when she died. She (laughs) was working at the Lululemon store as a way to get into their corporate offices when she graduated. She just seemed like this really cool person. Like, she liked to do all these adventurous things, and she was really nice. Brittany had recently transferred to this Lululemon store from the Georgetown location. She grew up in Washington State as one of many successful siblings. One sister was a doctor, three of her brothers were engineers, and her family described her as bubbly and very caring. She was the one in the friend group that was always bringing people together. You know, whether it was to go out late and party or get up early for a boot camp, she was the one that would, you know, make the calls, get people to come. Those that knew her describe her as fun and someone that would just always lift up other people's successes instead of her own. She She was like herding the cats. She was the cat herder. Yes, exactly. She'd been a college soccer star whose coach said she hated losing more than she liked winning. And she had dreams of one day opening her own gym. In fact, she was taking the first step to that dream by applying to be a trainer at this fancy upscale health club. Her interview, her second interview, was meant to be the Monday after these attacks. (sighs) Police and paramedics arrived on the scene really quickly, and Brittany was taken to the hospital while police and crime scene investigators processed the scene, just trying to figure out what the hell happened. Over the course of that day, this is what the police managed to piece together about what had happened the night before. They took statements from Brittany, who was well enough to give a statement and say what had happened. They also took statements from customers that had been there earlier that night, other store employees, as well as just looking at the evidence from the crime scene. And I'm just going to go ahead and add a warning here. This crime that they are describing was horrific. And I'm not going to be any more graphic than I have to be, but it can still be really hard to listen to. So uh, please listen with caution. So can I go or? (laughs) You have to stay. Sorry. I'm sorry. You have to stay. Trigger warnings do not apply to you. (laughs) I'm the worst person you could have for this. I'm terrified. (laughs) Go ahead. Okay. So Brittany and Jaina had been the only employees closing the store the night before. After cleaning up, counting down the register, finishing the rest of their duties, Jaina, who I said, as I said, was the supervisor on duty that night, 
She set the alarm at 9.45, locked the doors to the store with her set of keys, and they left. Brittany headed towards the subway to go home, and Jaina walked in the opposite direction to her car. Three minutes after setting the alarm, Jaina called another store employee and had a short like work-related call. She then made a call to Rachel, the store manager, the one that had come the next morning. Right. She was close to Rachel, and they spoke for several minutes. Meanwhile, Brittany realized she'd left her wallet in the store, and she didn't have Jaina's number, so she called this other employee to get it and then called Jaina to ask her to come back to the store and let her in. Jaina said she just realized she'd left her laptop too, so it wasn't a really big inconvenience. She didn't mind coming back and getting it. They walked into the store, deactivated the alarm, and left the front door unlocked behind them, thinking they'd just be running in and out. Right. Once inside, two men wearing dark clothes, gloves, ski masks, and hoodies slipped in behind them and began what would be a horrifically brutal attack on Jaina and Brittany. Mm. Brittany described the men as best as she could, saying one was around six feet and the other was closer to her height of 5'3". She couldn't tell their skin color, but she said they sounded white. The taller man dragged Jaina to the back of the store while the shorter forced Brittany to open the three small safes at the front of the store. Once he had the money from the safes, he forced Brittany to the back of the store where he tied her up and raped her. He hit her in the head with a rock hard enough that she had trouble remembering anything that came after. I'm sorry, this was Brittany? This was Brittany. Okay. Meanwhile, the taller man with Jaina in the back was brutally attacking her. In the end, her face was destroyed, bloodied and bruised with just deep gashes and gouges across her forehead, her cheeks, her lips, her chin. It appeared that many of her wounds were defensive and not from attacking. It was as if the attacker probably got a first good blow in, making her unable to fight back. So she was just kind of putting her hands up to try to defend herself, but she wasn't able to really fight back. Right. She had rope burns on her throat and her chin, and police found the rope nearby. They also found a hammer and a wrench, both of which matched wound patterns on Jaina. It looks like the fatal blow was one at the base of her skull caused by a long, thin knife of some kind. The medical examiner would later find at least 331 wounds on Jaina. That's impossible. Including 152 to her head alone. From at least five different weapons. The medical examiner also found blood in the wound paths, meaning she was alive for every single blow until the final one. Oh my God. I hate people. Humans are awful. I, I just don't understand how you could... They didn't even know these people, right? Like they went right. in to probably rob the place. Right. Yeah. That seems weird that there were two people readily waiting to slip in behind two other people like that. I don't know if they like staked it out or. Yeah. It It seems weird. It does seem weird. Yes. Like how did they even know that Jaina and Brittany were going to come back to the store? Like were they waiting? Was it a crime of opportunity? And they just like snuck in after them yeah were they planning on like them not coming back and them just breaking the windows and getting in or you know picking yeah them which would be know. weird because of this line of people at the apple store next door waiting for the right. ipad 2 all night which i'm pretty sure people had been lining up since the night before because you know how people oh, are sure. like 
In fact, next door, the Apple store had closed for the night uh, and the employees were busy getting ready for the launch of the iPad 2 the next day. An employee at the Apple store, Yana, thought she heard screams and asked a few security guards to help her search. And soon she became certain that the screams were coming from next door, from the Lululemon store. She heard, Which, you know, those leggings are expensive if people are robbing the legging store and not the iPhone store. I mean, good point. <laughs> like, were like, they, maybe they showed up and were planning to rob the Apple store, but didn't realize there was this big launch and there'd be all these people. So they're like, big next, line, got to go next door. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, hey, those two girls are going in there. Maybe we should like head over there. Yeah. So the security guards and her are, and Yana are searching for these screams. She's become certain that they're coming from the Lululemon store next door. She even heard a voice pleading. Don't do this. Talk to me. What's going on? So Yana asked the security guards if she should call the cops. And they said it sounded like a private matter, like just some drama, uh, but said it was up (gasps) to her. I know. So they didn't call the police. It might have been because of the low crime rate in the area, which gave people a false sense of security. You just don't think something bad is happening. You know, I'm, I'm making... I'm making too much out of this. I'm, you know, well, I building see this myself up. thinking that, especially if there's a lot of activity at the Apple store, you would think like, why would someone rob or do anything right next to us with all these people? Right. And there's actually this thing called the bystander effect. Have you heard of this? Oh, I'm very familiar. We do a lot of bystander intervention training at my job. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I find it fascinating because I do think that even for me, it goes against my instinct to call 911. And I think it's because I've had it in my head. You only call 911 if it's an emergency, but that unless it's an emergency part, just like I had to call 911 for my neighbor one time who needed an ambulance. And she was telling me, call 911, call for an ambulance. And I felt guilty you're like, no, sis, you'll be fine. Yeah. Like I'll just <laughs> hop in the car, hop in the, I'll take you. I can load you up in my, in my car. I'll, I'll just run you up. We don't need to bother the, the police, you know? Fine. And, and I just, uh, even in that situation, I had a really hard time dialing 911. I, I did it of course, but I felt like I was doing something wrong. I guess because you don't really know what an emergency is, you know, is well, an emergency, in the moment, yeah, right. Is an emergency. I heard some scuffles next door and there is, I, I think it's terrible that they did not call 911. Let me just get that straight. Like, I I think it's terrible. I think if they had called 911, there's a really good chance Jaina would still be alive. But they didn't. And I think we need to look at why they didn't so that if we are ever in that situation, we don't make that same mistake because I think it's a really easy mistake to make unless you're actually seeing. And even people that are witnessing an attack have a hard time calling 911, you know? And so I think sometimes we just need to tell ourselves like sometimes minding your own business is not the way to go. You know, sometimes really feel like you're adding me right now for what happened today. What happened today? Well, I was walking the dog and we heard a little boy screaming and crying for help. And you remember what happened last time that happened? I do remember, but tell the people, tell the listeners what happened. Last, a couple months, this summer, a couple months ago, I was walking my dog and we saw a little boy crying and like screaming for help, looking for his mom and dad. So obviously I ran over to help this little boy with my dog 
and he was lost. We were trying to find his house and we walked him back to his house. And as he opened the door to his house, his pit bull came running out to the front yard and like attacked me and my dog. It was terrifying and not great. And so we were both obviously traumatized from that experience, but what was I going to do? This kid was obviously lost. So today we're walking and we hear, it's not funny, but we hear a, a boy crying, screaming for help. I live in a nice area, so I'm not sure what the deal is, but um, I looked down the street and it just looked like he had fallen off of his bike and like scraped his leg. Aww. And so I walked over to help and my dog booked it the opposite direction, <laughs> looked up at me like, girl, you're crazy. <laughs> you remember last time. And I mean, we were like four streets over and he hightailed it the whole way. Like he remembers the sound of a boy crying. And all I could think about was like, this little boy is like falling off of his bike or something on the sidewalk. And I'm sure he saw me. I literally had to run the whole way home because my dog was like, bitch, you crazy. <laughs> okay. So he falls off his bike. He's screaming for help. He looks and sees a grown up running away from him. <laughs> Yes. And I was like yelling at my dog the whole time and he would not quit running until we got all oh, the way home. Poor Burks. Obviously not to downplay what happened here, but I just really felt like you were adding me and I needed to get <laughs> off my chest because no one was here today for me to tell. <laughs> well, and I, I just, I do think that it's so easy to just not do anything. You know, that is obviously the easiest course of action. Yeah. I don't want to be the, my, I guess my whole point is I don't want to be too hard on these Apple employees because I think they can be a lot of people. Like I think a lot of people would have done the same thing that they did. I think that that's a problem. And I think we need to look at why they did that so that we don't do that if we are in that situation. So at some point during the attack, Brittany said that the men like threw her on top of Jaina's body. And then they, the police asked her like, why do you think they killed her and let you live? And she said they let, she said that they said that they let her live because she was like fun to mess around with. She said they mm. used racial slurs against her the, as they raped her and they were laughing and acting like they were acting out scenes from Grand Theft Auto. Have you ever played that game? Well, no. I mean, I know the gist of it, but. I think the only thing I know about that game is that you can rip off sex workers' arms and beat them to death with their arms. <gasps> oh, I didn't know that. I just knew you could like run people over. There's sex workers in that game? Yes. <sighs> yes. They don't call them sex workers. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. That's what they are. She said they really took their time. And then eventually, after just hours of torture, they left. The media picked up on all of this immediately. By the time police arrived on the scene, there were already news vans parked looking for information to report. Early articles announced- Wait, the how? Like the police, they called 911 and the police came and there were already media? Okay, good, good question. By the time that lead detectives arrived on the scene- <laughs> Got it. Thank you for that clarification. Yes. Yeah, so there were already like the initial police officers- the first and responders, yeah. Yeah, and they like put out the crime scene tape and all of that. Early articles announced the brutal attack and the death of one employee, and Brittany became the surviving hero. The community really latched on to Brittany's story because it gave this tragedy that one good piece of news. Like, at least Brittany had survived. Her family was so relieved, but they felt terrible for Jaina's family. They couldn't yeah. imagine processing this loss, and they were just so thankful that they didn't have to. But the case would prove tricky to solve, taking the police on twists and turns as they attempted to figure out 
what had happened. I there love were, twists and turns. Mm, so many in this case. Buckle up. This is a twisty ride. Yes. Mm. There were bloody shoe prints tracked all over the back of the store, and police expected them to continue outside, like a trail to follow. But they stopped at the door. They okay, thought so they took they they took their shoes off and walked out barefoot. Maybe. They thought maybe the attackers went out the front door, but with that line at the Apple store, they just didn't think it was likely. They thought maybe they put their bloody shoes in an athletic bag from the store so they wouldn't track blood outside. But then they found two pairs of shoes under an overturned table, both of which had blood on the soles. But it looked like someone had tried to clean off the blood, but there was still blood like in the yeah, groups. little crevices. Yeah. The shoes matched the bloody shoe prints perfectly, though. So they knew these were the shoes that had made the prints. They did not understand how the shoes had even gotten there because Lululemon doesn't sell shoes. So did the attackers take off their shoes, clean them off, leave them there, go out barefoot, bring other shoes? Like, they just didn't understand. Also, they found Jaina's car parked behind a farmer's market about three blocks away, and they thought this was weird. When she arrived for her shift, that might have been the rule that you have to like park farther away. Maybe that right. was the closest spot that she could find. But she drove back at 10 with Brittany to get Brittany's wallet and Jaina's laptop. So wouldn't she have just parked right at front so she could run in, grab her stuff and leave? Like that's what would have made sense. So it was Unless weird. She remembers she was on the phone and stuff. Like what if she didn't drive? Like what if she was walking to her car to leave? got the phone call to come back and started walking back towards the store. Oh, well, it was like 15 minutes later, though. I think they knew because they talked to the people that she was on the phone with and somehow they knew that she was already in her car and had like been driving away and she had to turn around to come back when she realized when... I know! So then the police thought maybe the, the murderers drove it there, but why would they park it Three, like if they were going to use it as a getaway car, first of all, did they come on foot and not have a car? Were they trying yeah. to move Jaina's car so that maybe the attack wouldn't have been discovered so quickly because they wouldn't be like they wouldn't have shown up to see Jaina's car parked right out front, so they wouldn't except have caught they on left quickly. them in the store knowing that there was going to be people going into work the next day. Right, but people did not find them until they went into work the next day. So maybe they were trying right. to buy that time instead of making it look weird that her car is parked out front of the store. I don't know. It's like one of those pedestrian malls, you know? So mm -hmm. I'm wondering if maybe she was parked like illegally on like a red curb just to run in and out. And so mm -hmm. they moved it because that would have been really suspicious looking, maybe. Yeah, they're like, we don't want to get a ticket. <laughs> exactly. Or they, do they just don't want people to notice this car has been right. parked here illegally for hours and hours while they're inside. And for the sergeant supervising the case, Craig Wittenberger, Brittany's story wasn't really adding up for him. Her injuries were immensely less severe than Jaina's. In fact, once she'd been completely looked over, they realized that every cut she had on her was superficial and none of them were defensive wounds, whereas the attack on Jaina was so brutal that could be explained by the fact that there were two different attackers and maybe Jaina just got the more violent person right. and the other one wasn't as into the attack. That's been a thing where you have these like pairs of 
people and you always have kind of the stronger personality and then the right. weaker one that's kind of the fault. So maybe that was the case here. Especially if the original plan was just to go in and rob the place and they weren't expecting Right. You know, right. Like if that was part of it. Yeah. So he like was like, I just wanted the money. I don't really like, you know, want to do this. Maybe that was it. But there were other things too. Like her description of the attackers was so vague. All she knew was like an approximate height and maybe they sounded white. And they found a box of zip ties in the back of the store, like belonging to Lululemon, matching the ones that were used to bind Britney. So had these guys just come and used stuff they found in the store to do this and they hadn't brought the zip ties with them. But then how did they find the zip ties? Like that was weird. And the weapons also all came from the store. So had they just come just with gloves and ski masks? Like, and yeah, that goes with my theory though, that they really were there just to rob the place. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of the theory that the police started working with that they had come in just expecting to rob the place ended up running into the two girls, weren't expecting it, and it got out of hand. But to say the least. Then there were those work-related calls I mentioned that Jaina made after she got to her car that night. These were interesting to the police. Jaina had called Rachel, the store manager, to tell her that during bag check, have you ever worked retail? No. Okay, so I've worked tons of retail, and... Every time, every store I've worked at, at the end of the shift, when you leave, you do a bag check. So like the manager on duty will check your bag, make sure there's no like merchandise in there before you leave. It's just a normal routine in every single retail store I've worked at. Well, Lululemon Hmm. had the same policy. And because Jaina and Brittany were closing down together, they checked each other's bags. So Jaina checked Brittany's, Brittany checked Jaina's. And Jaina saw a pair of Lululemon leggings in Brittany's bag with the tag still on them in her purse. Jaina asked Brittany for the receipt, but Brittany said she'd thrown it away, which wasn't really that weird because you can't return merchandise that you've purchased on an employee discount. So employees often just threw it away, but you'd think they'd keep it just to get out of the door. Just to get out of the door, yeah. So Jaina asked her who had checked her out and then immediately had called that person when she got in the car before she called Rachel. That employee said that she had not checked Brittany out. So Jaina had called Rachel to let her know that she thought that Brittany had stolen those leggings, which is also weird because you know there's a bag check. This wasn't Brittany's first day on the job. Like she knows there's a bag check after every shift. So, right. And they were just right there. I mean- Um, I didn't know about the bag check thing, which makes a lot of sense, but I never thought about it. They weren't checking anything for me at the Waffle House. I ate as much as I wanted (laughs) on shift. They could not scan your stomach contents. Yeah. Thank God you were never murdered on shift and they check the contents of your stomach and then they're like, this bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This looks like a double hash brown, not a single. Uh, Yeah. Thank God. Thank you (laughs) for that image. (laughs) Waffle Houses are not sketchy places. (laughs) <laughs> no. Just they're, Lululemon's. They're classy restaurants, great for Christmas Eve. <laughs> True. <laughs> and Man, uh, I'm hurricane. To, hurricane eats. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I am starting to um feel like there's something up with Brittany, but I don't want to say that because right now she's a so victim. The police had the exact same thought as you. They started kind of 
thinking certain things were weird about Britney, but they were not willing to like go on record saying right. that they were even nervous. Neither to bring am it I. Up. So right, they were nervous to bring it up to each other because they knew that accusing that making this accusation and being wrong would be mm-hmm. devastating. So they were not willing to say anything yet. But Wittenberger, the lead sergeant uh, on the case, he wondered what this phone call about the Lululeb about the leggings being stolen. Wondered what this said about Britney's character. And he did start to suspect that she'd been on the whole thing. He thought maybe mm. she knew the attackers and had let them into the store. Like that was her plan to, to like help them rob the store and it had just gotten out of hand. And it was a hunch and he was nowhere near certain because there were many things that could explain his doubts other than Brittany being in the crime. And it was, right. like I said, just too precarious a situation to go swing in accusations. Brittany was tiny. She's 5'3", maybe 120 pounds. And right now she's a rape victim and a trauma survivor. Yeah. If, if he was going to follow his gut, he'd have to do it carefully. Mm-hmm. But then the cops got their first real lead. On a security tape from outside the back of the Lululemon store, they saw two men dressed all in black walking by right around the time the attackers would have been leaving the store. One was even wearing a knit cap that looked like it could be a ski mask, like rolled up, you know? Right. They matched Britney's description. One appeared much taller than the other one. And Wittenberger realized Britney must have been telling the truth. Surely she would have lied about the height of the attackers or the number of attackers if she was in on it. Like it would have, she would have to be pretty dumb to tell him exactly who it was if she was really in on it. So, I don't know. Unless you know. I mean, I feel like you work there. You know there's a camera, so you might as well not look like a liar. Well, the thing you... is, there really isn't any cameras. There's no cameras inside. There's no cameras in the front. There was just this one security camera on the back that was like the back lot of the, the whole the, thing. Yeah. That's weird for the like fanciest shopping street in the United it, States of America. It is weird, isn't it? It's, it is. I thought the same thing. Like, why don't Great. We... If anyone wants to go rob a place, we basically just told them where to go. Well, I, hopefully they fixed that since 2011. And this store has actually moved since then, but we'll get into that. So now they know because of the security tape, they are looking for these two masked assailants. And before long, they even have a suspect in custody. There's this homeless man named Keith. He was known to frequent this area. And he could be violent owing to just a string of mental health uh, issues. So when the cops arrested him, he had blood on him. And it seemed he had knowledge of this crime. He said the blood came from a bar fight that he'd been in. But they collected the evidence to run and see if it would match up just in case. So then they went to go interview Brittany again, just to see if she had started to remember anything about the attack, because she said once she got hit on the head with that rock, she didn't remember anything. She remembered what they looked like? Well, when she first saw them, but she didn't remember anything after they hit her on the head. Yeah, which was later on. It was after she'd opened the safes, after they'd raped her. Now look at me. Now I'm just like writing her off. I'm not even being fair. (laughs) She's like, Um, oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they... (laughs) I know. So they went to see if she remembered anything else, and she did. She remembered that the attackers knew where she lived because she had seen them get a bill out of her purse with her address on it, and she was really scared. And the detectives told her that it was really unlikely that these guys would come back, but to call them immediately if she saw anything suspicious around. The police were also still stuck on those shoes. How were the shoes that matched the bloody footprints still in the store? They asked Brittany if Lululemon sold shoes, and she said no. 
but they did keep a pair of men's shoes and a pair of women's in the store to use for alterations because Lululemon is so bougie. They do alterations on yoga pants. Wait, so like people would put the shoes on to then see how they want it? To see, yeah, to see like where they want the <laughs> the cuff of the leggings to be. Okay, I'm immediately going to buy a pair. <laughs> and I want them altered. Yeah, I do have weird legs, so. So it was this interview that turned the cops back on to Brittany. The cops had a strong suspicion that Brittany knew the attackers and that that's why her life had been spared. They started thinking that everything she'd done since had been an, an attempt to cover up her involvement. But they still wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt because, like I said, if they were wrong, it would be catastrophic. Right. And even this theory had holes. The shoe prints, for example, there was one woman's print and one man's. The woman's shoe print were a match for Brittany, size seven and a half New Balances. And it made sense that Jaina wouldn't have left any tracks since she had been incapacitated first. And Brittany had been walking all over the store going to the safe. She said they threw her on top of Jaina at one point in the back of the room. So it made sense that she'd have some blood on the bottom of her shoes too. But if the other set of bloody shoe prints were from the men's size 14 they'd found at the store, where was the third set of footprints from the second attacker? Okay, so I thought in the beginning when you said the footprints, I always assumed it was the two attackers. Right. Yeah. I didn't but they realized they when they, they did a whole lot. So I forgot to say that I did read an entire book on this case. That was where I got yeah, I was from. Gonna say, we need to cite our source. Yeah. So let me actually, the information for this episode comes from the book, The Yoga Store Murder, The Shocking True Account of the Lululemon Athletica Killing by Dan Morse, who was a reporter for the Washington Post that covered this case really closely and then wrote a book about it. So in the book, they found they, they went really deep into how the guy came in and studied these footprints and like really figured out, he figured out which footprints were on top of what, like which footprints had been down first and second and all of this. There's a specialist for everything. Yes, there is. So this is when they realize there's only one theory that fits all of the evidence that explains everything. It's Ryan. <laughs> the shoe prints never left the store because the killer never left the store. Oh, no. There, mm -mm. Were, there were no attackers. Brittany had killed Jaina all by herself. No. Within an, within an hour of getting Jaina back to the store and then spent the next nine hours devising her plan to cover up the crime. What? Yeah, that's it. I'm out so, of here. Flipping this table over. <laughs> you, you're going to run out of tables if you keep flipping I, I just was like, didn't I flip over a table because of Coco Chanel? Okay. And but, I think you flipped a table when they destroyed the evidence in the rape episode. Well, you pissed me off a lot. So the flipping tables over here. Uh, I'm going to have to get you more tables. Whatever. You know I don't have the upper arm strength to flip tables. <laughs> the arms of an angel. Yeah. <laughs> um. um Okay, so what about the guys walking around on that security footage? Who are those? Her little total red herrings. I think they ended up being like dishwashers from a nearby restaurant that were just happened to be walking by in all black because that was their like work uniform at that time. And they just happened to be like one's really tall, one's short. Did right. she know that? No. 
No, it just happened. It was just a total coincidence. So she goes in like nine hours. She has nine hours. She killed Jaina. Now she has to sit there and think, what am I going to do to get away with this? She has nine hours to figure it out. So she yeah, comes she up. hangs out in there. Yeah. She comes up with this story of two attackers, cleans the blood off her shoes, puts the men's 14s on that they have in the store, traipsed all over the store through the blood to make new footprints. And the guy was able to see that hers were all first, her bloody footprints, and that the size 14 men's all were on top of hers. Why did she kill this woman? Oh, that's an excellent question. Hold on to your pants, Mogab. Hold on to your leggings. Hold on to your, hold on to your leggings. You're jumping ahead. We will get to that. They could explain all of the wounds on her body as totally self-inflicted. One of the officers recognized the lacerations on her palms as they looked similar to what he'd seen in the army as part of these military police SWAT teams. Um, during training exercises, when they would use knives, the blades would sometimes slip and slice Ooh. into their own palms, leaving cuts that looked just like Brittany's. Brittany would have had plenty of time to hide the $900 that was missing from the safes to make it look like a robbery gone wrong. The men on the surveillance tape, like I said, complete coincidence. And the homeless man had nothing to do with it. They ran the blood found on him, and it turned out that it really did match the story of the bar fight that he had said. How did he get looped in? Like, where did, why did they pick him up? Did someone He was him? known to frequent that area. He was okay. known to have a violent past or violent right. tendencies because he had all these mental health issues. It was also, they had a tip like, Did line. someone say his name? Yeah, they had a tip line and tip after tip after tip after tip came in and said, look at Keith, look at Keith, look at his name came up all over the place. So that's what kind of brought him, brought them to him. But it turned out, yeah, he had nothing to do with it. He was just okay. like the homeless guy that hangs out in the rich area. So all the rich people are like, look at him, look at him. You know, he must yeah. have done it. It must be him. It can't be any of us. Right. You know. Um, uh, but why was, I need, I need answers. You will get some of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Great. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine, but the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pro's proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? 
The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day or $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck, and then access your money as you earn it instead of having to wait for it to hit your account. Any money you access, including any optional tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It is a much-needed alternative to predatory payday lenders for people that find themselves in a bind, like a bill due Wednesday when payday isn't until Friday. Or you're like me and you're just getting slammed with birthdays. Why are all my friends Tauruses? With Earn In, I don't have to worry about being late with a gift because I had to wait for payday. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Creepers under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Creepers under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. So this theory would also explain why the car was parked so close and yet so far away. If the attackers had used Jaina's car to get away, they wouldn't have left it three blocks away. But if Brittany was just trying to buy time before they were discovered so that she could like set this crime scene up, then she would have possibly moved the car so it wouldn't have been seen as easily. Where was her car? She was taking the subway. She took public transportation to work. Police swabbed every inch of that car. And what they found was a treasure trove. Blood drops... And even a hat with blood on the rim where she has a cut on her forehead matched. It, it, would, it would match exactly if you were wearing a hat and you had that this cut. This girl's dumb. Dumb. She left this hat in the car. They also knew to look for teeth marks on the zip ties because if she had zip tied herself, she would have, you know, she would have needed to use her teeth to tighten them. The police were amazed at how this theory explained every piece of evidence they had. But they didn't know anything for sure at the moment. And again, they needed to prove this without a doubt before accusing a rape victim and community hero of actually being a liar and a murderer. The first thing they wanted was a statement from Brittany. They wanted to ask her, have you ever been in Brittany's car? And they wanted her to say no, because catching her in a lie would be a lot easier than getting her, you know, getting her to tell her the truth. I'm wondering why, if she had like full reign of the store, why did she put a pair of Lululemons in her purse when she was about to just walk back in there and she could have taken all of them and $900? Like, I feel like that was the thing that like started. Then this other person called Rachel and then that like got her looking all sketchy when like you could have just stolen all the leggings. She didn't have the keys. But once she got in there. Jaina had the keys. Right. But like when she got back in the store... We will, we will come to find out a bit about Britney's past that might explain okay. that for you. All right. So they're trying to get Britney to say she's never been in the car. They were sure that she'd say no, but they needed to make sure they asked it in a way, in the right way, so that it didn't come off as her being in an interrogation. They didn't want her to know that they were onto her just yet. So they call her into the station under this ruse that they needed her fingerprints for elimination purposes. And she and her family came up And the police brought Brittany into an interrogation room and they like made up this lie about how, oh, the fingerprint machine is broken. (laughs) 
We're such dunces, us police. We don't know what we're doing. Our, our fingerprint machine is broken. Why don't I you like this accent you gave the <laughs> Maryland police? Uh, that's their fake I'm an idiot accent. Or I want you to think I'm an idiot. All right. So they get her. They, they make up this whole ruse about the broken fingerprint machine because they want to get her into an interrogation room without it seeming suspicious because the interrogation rooms are the only places that are recorded and they want her in there on recording, but they don't want her to know that they're trying to record her. So they're like, oh, our fingerprint machine is broke. Wait in here. This is a comfy space to wait, you know? And uh, so they go in, they ask her about the zip ties. They ask her if the attackers brought them with them or if they got them from the box the police found in the store. And she's like, I don't know where they came from. At first she said, they came with them, they brought them, and then she said she didn't know. The detectives could tell she was kind of getting antsy and they were about to lose her. So they just threw caution to the wind and bluntly asked, have you ever been in Jaina's car before? And she said, no, which was the <gasps> answer they were hoping she would give. But then, interesting, a few days later, seems Brittany has caught on to the fact that, hmm, Perhaps the police will know that I was in the car, and perhaps that's why they asked me. I'd better come up with a story about, yes, in fact, I was in the car, and I have a very valid reason. Oh, but let's come back and tell them. Very valid reason, Mogab. Listen to the. There's nothing wrong with this excuse, this story at all. It makes Mm -hmm. perfect sense. I take it you're not a big Britney fan. Oh, God, she's a bitch. All right. (laughs) All right. A few days later, Brittany's brother calls and says, guys, Brittany's been doing some thinking. Her memory's starting to come back. She wants to tell you something. She's remembered something else. And the detectives know it's about the car. They know that Brittany has been sitting there, realized she made a mistake, and now needs to explain this. Yes. So she comes to the police station. And it's very clear she expects to walk in, give this statement, and leave. But the police have other ideas in mind. So Detectives Drury Drury and Reuven, Detectives Drury and Reuven. <laughs> Say that three times My fast, God, so. Drury and Reuven. Drury, it's, it's impossible. <laughs> impossible. They get her into an interrogation room, again, hooked up with hidden recorders. And she tells them that prior to the sexual assault, Prior to zip-tying her up, the attackers made her move Jaina's car. And she, like, she forgot that that happened. That right. seems like a very big she detail. She forgot. She totally forgot. Mogab, she got hit in the head with the rock. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah she forgot. She said she's having memory issues. She just mm-hmm. remembered that they made her move. In fact, it might have been the police asking her that jogged her memory, you know, because that's how that, that works. Mm-hmm. She said they asked her where Jaina's keys were, and she said she didn't know, and that one of them punched her in the head and made her look for her. And when she – another brain injury, you know, it, yeah. it explains all of this. When she found them, they told her that she needed to move Jaina's car and that if she was to pass anyone and open her mouth, she could consider herself dead. And one of them would be watching her the entire time, unless she sped away out of eyesight. Oh. She did not do that, though. She parked a few blocks <laughs> away and, and came back. <laughs> I wish I could have seen you, but she did not do that, though. 
she even said she saw a cop, which why wouldn't they move? I mean, never mind. I'm not going to try and reason with this made up theory, but like <laughs> there was two of them. One of them could have moved the car. They're not going to let the person they just yeah. attacked move the I car. I guess they couldn't do it because they were totally made up people. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't funny. Ugh. I no, feel so Jana's, bad when I Jana's laugh. Jaina's murder stuff. is not funny at all. Jaina's murder is horrific. It's re- it's insane yeah, that it I didn't happened. Laugh it's one a time horrible, horrible thing that happened to her. Brittany's crazy ass stories are hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They are hilarious, and they're hilarious because the detectives are onto her, and she got caught. And so that is what we are laughing at. We are laughing at the murderer. And her insane theories that she's cooking up to explain this unbelievably, inexcusably horrific attack. Which I still don't know why she did it. So can we get to that part? I'm dying. We'll get there. We'll get there, I promise. But Uh, not, not yet. Hold on to your leggings. She even said she saw a cop, but she was too scared to flag him down. Okay. And they're pretty sure she only brought that up because she knew a cop was there because a cop had reported seeing this car that it kind of seemed suspicious. It had its headlights on and it was there for quite a while, but it wasn't suspicious enough and it wasn't doing anything wrong for him to go and like up and check it out. But he did remember seeing it. So they're and pretty she sure. she saw that he saw, she mm-hmm. saw the police officer saw. So, she, okay. so now she's throwing that in there to like explain why she didn't tell this cop. But amazingly, Drury saw so many giant holes in her story. It was almost unbelievable. She expected them to believe that she had been in a vehicle away from the situation with a police officer nearby and that she went back so they could rape and possibly kill her. They had already, quote unquote, they had already killed Jaina by this time. Jaina was already dead. So it wasn't even like they were holding Jaina over her head and saying, we're going to kill her if you don't come back. Like, she was already dead. So why would she come back? The whole story is completely ridiculous, obviously. But when I first heard this story, I was thinking devil's advocate. You know, the devil's advocate part of my brain was like, okay, but what about Stockholm Syndrome? Because... Stockholm syndrome does exist, like with Elizabeth Smart, who was kidnapped from her home, kept for six months before Mm -hmm. she managed to get back home. Her kidnappers had taken her to a party. And when this all came out, everybody was like, why wouldn't she have asked somebody for help at this party? And they didn't understand. They were like, she must be in on it. She must have wanted to be with them because she otherwise she would have asked Has no one seen Beauty and the Beast? Oh, my God. Stockholm syndrome completely. Yeah, I know. Completely. Yeah. Also that library though. I mean. I mean, for real. I do love that movie. But, you know, watching it again when you're older, you really do see how problematic it is. It is. Yeah. Wow. Like, you know, when you watch it when you're you're older, Gaston's kind of looking like the good guy, you know? (laughs) (laughs) He's like trying to save her from her kidnapper. And of course, like any brunette child like you and I, we were like, Oh, Belle, who loved to read? That was yeah, me. I know. I was like, I'm Belle. Right. <laughs> People think I'm weird because I like to Weren't read. Weren't we all? <laughs> mm. But Stockholm Syndrome, it's because in situations like that, your survival instincts and coping mechanisms cause you to bond with your captors. Mm. And 
after a while, you just become completely compliant to the point where kidnappers have even let their captors go like down Mm -hmm. the street to the store and they come back. So I did some research into Stockholm syndrome just to see if it was possible that maybe that's what was going on. That's why she would have, it would have explained why she would have driven the car and come back. And what I found is that it usually takes at least a few days for Stockholm syndrome to develop. I couldn't find a single known case where it had developed in a person within a few hours, like it would have been with Brittany. It's also usually accompanied by empathy towards your captors and maybe even a desire to help them, like with Patty Hearst, who started robbing banks for her captors. I might have to do an episode on Stockholm syndrome. It's so fascinating. Yeah. But the point is, Brittany did not have Stockholm Syndrome. She was just full of crap. And detectives knew that. So they question her, and they question her, and they question her, but they don't get much of anything out of her. She keeps going back to, I don't know, they hit me in the head, remember? She was whimpering, but there were no tears coming out of her eyes. The detectives even gave her tissues. They put two tissues on the table in front of her because she's like they were blubbering. <laughs> and uh, they just sat there the whole time, perfectly dry. She never once <laughs> picked them up. Not a, not a tear to be had. Not a single one. Yeah. Which even if Crocodile she's like tears. made it up, do you think you would still cry for the horrific thing that you've done and some type of remorse or guilt? You would think so. And this shows what a psychopath she is because she did not feel an ounce of guilt for what she did. And you'll see evidence of that to come. Okay. So Drury just gets straight with her. He tells her he knows what really happened. He knows this whole story is just something she concocted to cover her own tracks and that none of it makes any sense at all. Her story does not match the evidence. He tells her he knows her wounds are self-inflicted, and he tells her he knows Jaina suspected her of stealing. But Brittany just continues to deny, deny, deny. She asks to see her brother and sister who had come with her to the station. And this is one thing I will say about Brittany. Her family is amazing. What they did not, this is one instance where you can say, oh, that is just pure nature psychopath. There is no nurture involved there because her family is amazing. She's got these amazing brothers and sisters. They're all looking out for each other. They're looking out for her. She's got good parents that worked freaking hard. I'm going to go into her family later, but I'm just saying, great people. I am sorry this happened to them too. Hmm. So detectives pull them in. They're hoping that if they present the evidence in front of the siblings, that maybe Brittany will be more likely to explain it all away with maybe a fight with Jaina and that Brittany was only reacting to it, which would instantly do away with this masked man story, and they'd have her. So detectives tell her her rights, and they bring in her brother, Chris, and her sister, Marissa. They show them crime scene photos. They tell them about all the evidence they have, and they explain how their theory of the crime fits every piece of evidence. Marissa, her sister, just breaks down, and she's sobbing, and she has to be removed from the room. But her brother, Chris, is very analytical about the whole thing. He's an engineer. So I feel like it's just very much his personality to be looking at this and trying to, like, make sense of it all when he can plainly see that his sister's story does not make any sense with the evidence. Eventually, Chris asks if he can speak to his sister alone, and detectives let them be, failing to mention that there are cameras all over the room. But to be fair, you're in a police station, like, Just assume you're being recorded. 
Chris had looked for recording devices and he didn't see any, so he had assumed that they were safe. And he asked her several times if she did it. He says the evidence is very compelling. And if she did it, he needs to know so they can go get her a defense attorney. And she says she doesn't want to talk about it in there. And and he says she needs to. And I'm like, bro, like you're trying to help you get her, have her sell you outside of the police station. Like, or not. Or not in this case. I'm here for this. Mm. And in fact, they were actually all the detectives huddled around this monitor. Uh, just like I'm sure bated breath, every word, just waiting for Brittany to incriminate herself. She didn't come out with a confession, but she did eventually say, I'm gonna ruin our whole family. And Chris responds by saying, you're not going to ruin our family, but I'll take that as a yes. Why? And she responded, I don't know how it happened. (gasps) The police had her. So Chris, wondering the same thing you are, wondering the same thing we all are. But like, why? do you know how it happened? I kind of took that to, I don't know how it got to that point. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, but I mean like, but you know. Yes, you know. Yeah. So to answer Chris's question of why, the question on everybody's mind, we need to go back a little into Brittany's history. So I talked earlier about how she was a very likable person, very fun to be around. She was the one in the friend group that would get everybody together and Mm -hmm. organize events. You know, people loved her because she was so easygoing. She never really got involved with drama. I also said she had this great family. She was the sixth of nine children. Wow. And her parents worked really hard to keep up the middle-class lifestyle they wanted their children to have. And they even managed to put Brittany in a private elementary school. Her brother, Chris, was vice president of his senior class at their public high school. He went on to graduate with a degree in electrical engineering at Seattle University. She was very close with her sister, Marissa, who she lived with at the time of the murder. Marissa was voted the next Oprah Winfrey by her high school (laughs) class. Because she volunteered for several organizations and she loved giving back. Like, she, these people are amazing. Except yeah. Brittany. I talked about how Brittany was this big soccer star. And she actually went on to play soccer with a scholarship to Stony Brook University on Long Island while she studied sociology. She was the member of the team that would show up with snacks and would give out blankets if it was cold or bring a friend a favorite sandwich. <laughs> but along with this, all of that part of her personality is true. And I don't know if it's part of her personality, but it is the persona that she portrayed. Those stories are all true about her. But along with this, it seemed throughout her life from a very young age, whenever she was around, things would go missing. There was this jewelry from the time she tagged along with her older sister on a babysitting job. And then at Stony Brook, her friend's wallet kept disappearing. Her teammates even suspected Brittany of going into lockers and stealing their textbooks to resell them. They suspected her of stealing a Versace shirt from one friend or $60 from another friend. And when they finally confronted her, she broke down and admitted it, saying she'd never do it again. Oh my gosh. By her third year at Stony Brook, her teammates had complained to their coach and Brittany left the team. I'm not sure if she was kicked off or if she chose to leave, but the result was the same. She lost her scholarship and any dream she had of playing for a national team. By fall of 2004, she was out of school completely, 11 credits shy of graduating. What is that, like one semester? Yeah, not even. Though, uh, if you ask Brittany, she got her degree. 
She lied oh. to everyone about this. Was it on her resume? She was on her resume. She, and that, it was on her resume when she got a, her job at a bank. And this is where she met Dr. Maury Branch. And I debated putting this story in there just for time's sake, but I think it's important. So she starts dating this doctor. This was a long line of her dating successful people, but this story needs to be told. They started dating, uh, but he ended up ending things with her and she would go on to stalk and harass him to the point where he had to get a restraining order against her. He ended up taking her to court over it. And Dang. guess how she settled the matter? Mm. Just guess, just guess. What do, what do you think she She did? either stole everything from him or she murdered him. <laughs> she just refused to go to the court hearings. Oh, <laughs> That's not how that works. She just didn't go. So a bench warrant was issued for her, but those usually expire after a year or so if they're not served. So she was just free and clear. She started working at the Willard Hotel and ended up moving into this really nice apartment in this trendy area of D.C. But she got evicted because her and her roommate didn't pay rent for two months. Oh, gosh. And so that's why she ended up moving in with her sister, Marissa, which is where she was living at the time of the murder. Brittany started going to the gym twice a day. She started dreaming about becoming a personal trainer and even opening her own gym one day. She thought a great place to start to help her on that path would be a job at Lululemon. Right, um, get all the attire. Right, and just kind of also the connections into that like yeah, fitness people. world, you know? And so she got a job at their Georgetown location. But it didn't take long for the employees at the Georgetown location to start complaining about missing cash from their wallets or registers coming up short. Brittany would say she was also missing money, but the store managers were pretty suspicious of her. They couldn't prove that it had been Brittany. Like I said, no interior cameras in the store, but her shifts lined up with all of the thefts. Hmm. In fact, the store manager ended up firing her after she took advantage of her employer discount. He was able to, her employee discount, he was able to pin that on her, even though he couldn't get these thefts. But Brittany threatened to hire a lawyer and the store manager's decision was overturned by corporate. And as if Lululemon was the Catholic church and Brittany was a priest, they simply moved her to another store when they were <laughs> unable to fire her. And they even let her pick the store. Oh, so she, of course she picks the store on the best shopping street in the USA. USA. In the most educated city in the USA. Yes. So, yeah. So she chose the Bethesda location. The store manager, Rachel, who we've mentioned many times, she'd been wary of hiring her a year before and she'd chosen not to hire her, but now she had no other option. And of course, similar incidents begin happening at the Bethesda location because Brittany is obviously a kleptomaniac. kleptomaniac. Yeah. And that is a compulsion. You know, that is like, this yeah. is, it's so obvious it's a compulsion. That's why she had the leggings plain as day when Jaina looked in her purse. It was like she got a thrill out of having it out in the open. Like she probably could have hidden that in some part of her bag. Yes. Like if it was really about getting the leggings, like you got a makeup bag, you can fold those up tiny in a side pocket. Like. I mean, or at least try to hide. I don't think, it's not like Jaina was digging through a zippered pocket. It right. was right there. It's like when she, you go to a concert and they just like. I mean, exactly. This time she was accused of stealing personal items from employees ranging from an expensive bottle of Vera Wang perfume to like $10 that she took out of an employee's wallet which yeah. is obviously not even worth it. It's not like she stole it because she needed the money. That wasn't a thing here. Like there was no other reason than 
she just was compelled to steal things. So on Wednesday, March 9th, this is two days before the murders, the store's management team held a meeting. This meeting included Rachel, the manager, and Jaina Murray was there too. Mm. The items Brittany was accused of having stolen were brought up, and a supervisor chimed in to say that he'd seen a bottle of Vera Wang perfume in Brittany's bag during bag check one day, but he didn't know that an employee's bottle had gone missing. It was like she got a thrill out of bringing the items back into the store after she yeah. had stolen them when she knew they'd be checking her bag. <laughs> yeah, weird. But as was the case at the Georgetown store, they didn't have any proof it had been Brittany. They discussed things like possibly getting a nanny cam to catch her, but they were mostly joking. Yeah. While they were deciding how to deal with her, Brittany was off trying to achieve her personal training slash gym owning dreams. And she had an interview lined up at the nearby luxury gym, Equinox. And she was really, really excited about this interview. Her first interview had gone really well. And her second interview was to be Monday, March 14th, the Monday after the attacks. I guess what I'm saying is in her mind, she's got a lot riding on all of this right then. Friday, March 11th rolls around. Jaina texted another employee, Courtney, that had also been in the meeting about Brittany And she said, I have to close with a thief tonight. Do you think I'll catch her? (gasps) So at closing that night, they each did the standard bag check, looking through each other's bags to ensure no one was stealing merchandise. Like I said, very standard procedure. What's not so standard, however, was Jaina finding that pair of $100 leggings in Brittany's purse with the tag still on them. And... Jaina asked if she had the receipt. Brittany said no. So Jaina wanted to double check the story. She tried to check on the computers at work, but they'd already been shut down for the night. They were programmed to stay off when shut down. So she said she'd just check it the next day and we're going to worry about it later and we'll leave for tonight. Set the burglar alarm at 945 and they dashed out before the sensors could engage. And like I said, Jaina got in her car and immediately called that employee to ask if she sold Brittany anything that day. And the girl told her what she already knew, that she hadn't. So Jaina told that employee about the leggings found in the bag with the tag still on, hung up with her, and then also got on the phone with Rachel. And when she answered, Jaina said, we caught the bitch. (gasps) Rachel told her that she was going to fire her first thing in the morning. And it was then that Jaina got the call from Brittany asking her to come back to the store. She agreed, met Brittany at the store, unlocked the doors with her keys because she was the supervisor and the two walked inside. Like I did Brittany just know that she was like caught and was that she was willing to murder over getting fired for the hundred dollar. Like to her, everything was on the line, this interview, everything she wanted. So the only way to get out of it was to fake this attack. Yeah. And I think it's possible that at first Brittany wanted to reason with her quote unquote reason no. with her. Did you do you remember how many wounds there were? That is like cold blooded. Cold yeah. blooded. Like yeah, I guess I'm just trying to like make sense of like how that's how that actually happened. Like did they walk in and she just lunged at her or did she try to have a conversation with her and Britain and Jaina was like, no, like you're getting fired. The yeah. end. I, I already but I guess I guess what Jaina must not have said was I already called and told on you because otherwise I don't think Brittany would have killed her if she knew that 
Jaina yeah. had already called Rachel and the other employee. Well, and did Brittany call Jaina back? Really? Was was it under the ruse of like, come back, I left something? Or was it like, come back, I need to talk to you? Like, I wonder how she really got her back in. Was it really like, I left No, something? I think she I think she did because I don't think that Jaina would have come back if Brittany had said, hey, I want to talk to you about those leggings. I think she would have been like, all right, let's have this conversation on the phone. And I don't think she would have gone and unlocked the doors to the store yeah, and like true. walked into the store. So I think that she really did think Brittany left her wallet and she unfortunately also left her laptop because I also feel like, yeah, I feel like if she hadn't left her laptop, Jaina would have been like, sorry, I'm on my way home. Like, yeah, get your your wallet tomorrow morning. Someone else's wallet. Yeah. Or you probably have a pile of cash at your house that you can, that can get you through the nine hours until the store opens tomorrow. I like also feel so like sick thinking about Rachel. Like, I know. And, and I wonder if Rachel instinct like thought, like if there was any part of her in the very beginning, like she was probably just so shocked and like scared and everything else and saw them both and thought they were both attacked. But I wonder if any part of her was like, this is too eerie that this is like the next day. Well, and also I don't think Jaina told anybody that she was yeah. going back to the store. She was just planning on running in and running out. So no. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Rachel, no wouldn't she have been so confused? Like, yeah. Why are they here? Jaina called me from the car they had left. Yeah. Why are they back here? So is Brittany arrested? Like, what did the cop where? Okay. Yes. Brittany gets arrested. She is charged with Jaina's murder. She manages to get her pretty decent lawyers. Her family manages to get her pretty decent lawyers. Their names were Doug Wood and Chris Griffiths. They didn't know what the police had, but they knew that they had three options in a defense none of them would be easy to sell. Their first option, they could stick to Brittany's story about the masked men. The problem with that is that Brittany had left evidence tying her to the crime and the cover-up, and she had lied hundreds of times to detectives. But the lawyers thought they could work around those challenges, like trying to get evidence thrown out with issues like mishandled evidence. They also know Brittany had not been Mirandized until right before they brought in her brother and sister. So they were hoping maybe they could get some of that like interrogation thrown out. But the police at the time were in their rights to do so because Brittany knew she was free to go and not under arrest. The police, I didn't mention this before, but the police made a huge deal of making it very clear without actually saying the words Like, you are free to go. They didn't close the door. They made several remarks about her leaving. Like, they they made it very clear that she was free to go anytime she wanted. So the interrogation tapes are good. But it still looks sketchy. If they could get the interrogation ruled unconstitutional, then that would be great for them. The second option was to get her charged with second-degree murder instead of first. Second-degree murder would get her about 15 years First-degree murder would likely be a life sentence. And here's the difference. To get first-degree murder, the state has to prove that Brittany had murdered Jaina in a, quote, willful, deliberate, and premeditated fashion. Wood and Griffith would concede that she had murdered Jaina, but that it had been more of a crime of passion as opposed to premeditated. Right. And the third option would be the insanity defense. However, with insanity, you usually have to prove that the person did not know the crime was wrong at the time they committed it. It really doesn't have as much to do with like 
being actually insane as understanding the difference between right and wrong. And the fact that Brittany spent nine hours trying to cover it up. Right. She knew she did wrong. She knew it was wrong. Yeah. That would be difficult to prove. So option Um, B. Yeah. They would end up going, yes, with option two, claiming that Jaina and Brittany had gotten into a fight when they'd gone back to the store. The fight had gotten out of control but that Brittany had not killed her with malice or deliberation. He said the fact that the Apple employee next door heard two women arguing backed this up. Okay, but- except for all of the wounds. She didn't, like, shoot her once, stab her a couple times. Like, I forget the numbers, like 330-something. Like, you were 331 hours. Yes. Like, you were spending an extended period of time torturing this poor woman. Yes. The judge at her sentencing said that he had just pounded his fist 331 times just to see, and that it had taken him eight minutes of just 331 times just pounding his fist. Eight minutes. Who does that? Of stabbing someone repeatedly. Someone that you don't have a relationship with. You don't have like years and years of pent-up aggression towards this person or like they've been abusing you for years and now you're getting back like none of that to fuel this fire that she felt it's yeah yeah there was just so much evidence to the contrary first off what the apple employee really said was that she heard someone pleading for their life not Mm. that she heard people arguing and yeah like you said the length and brutality of the crime would the defense attorney he actually did make a few good points Like, why call Jaina back to the store if it was premeditated? Why not just do it at the store before they left? He argued the cover-up was delusional, and it wasn't hard to show how ridiculous Britney's story had been from the start. And it's really not. It's the stupidest story. When the jury went back for deliberations, they were all in agreement from the start on first-degree murder. But they did their job, and they deliberated anyway, having one of the jury members play devil's advocate and making the case for second-degree murder. The only thing they couldn't figure out was motive. They had no clue why she'd done any of this because the prosecution had not been allowed to bring up any of the shoplifting throughout the trial. Really? Mm -hmm. Just because it wasn't, I guess, like relative to this crime? Yeah. Like it is? Exactly. Question mark? Yes. And, but I guess the state was not able to prove its case that they needed to show motive. So they weren't able to bring Mm -hmm. it up. But in the end, despite not having a motive, they found her guilty of first-degree murder. Honestly, I feel like knowing her motive would have given them more reason to pick second-degree murder, knowing that her motive was she was scared about losing this interview and the shoplifting and she didn't want to get caught. And so it was a spur-of-the-moment thing. She knew she'd been caught when Jaina saw the leggings. She's like, I don't want to be a shoplifter, so I'm just going to be a murderer. Right. Because I'm more nervous. Well, then I can't get caught for for shoplifting if I murder her. Yeah. But she'd already told on her. So she must not have known that, though. At the sentencing hearing, Jaina's father gave this victim impact statement that was just heartbreaking. He said that she was more than a daughter. She was one of his four best friends. Oh, God, I'm going to cry. I know. 
At the sentencing hearing, the prosecutor was no longer under any restrictive rules of evidence, and he could speak freely about the motive in this case. And so I wanted to read this whole quote from the book. Only one thing engendered any compassion in him for Brittany, talking about the prosecutor. She seemed to have been born miswired. The section of her brain where a conscience should be simply hadn't developed fully. And apparently what Brittany had done was expand that gap in her brain, feed it with her own thrills. She stole from close friends just to see their reactions. She led a dark, secret life, uninhibited by any sense that it was wrong. She knew how to stay one step ahead of trouble or talk her way out of trouble when it caught up to her. The only, that only gave her more confidence to just do as she pleased. It was here that their view on psychopathy came into play, suggesting that Brittany was on a contradictory path of self-destruction. The more secrets Brittany kept, the worse she felt about herself as people all around her succeeded and succeeded without deceit and subterfuge. Anyone who is like this lacks self-esteem and worth, he said. Oh. Brittany spoke at her sentencing hearing, but I'm not even going to read it because it's such bullshit. She never admitted guilt. She referred to it over and over as the crime I have been convicted of instead of the crime I have committed. She didn't explain, just said she was sorry and asked for a chance at parole for her family's sake. The judge finally spoke. He spoke to Brittany's family and he told them he had been so impressed with them because they're awesome. It's so <laughs> sad. They seemed like the American dream personified and he expressed his sympathies that it had turned out this way. He spoke to Jaina's family about how horrific it is for your child to be murdered and how he knows there's never any acceptance of that. And then he spoke to Brittany. And this is when he told her he'd once sat and slammed his fist down 331 times just to see. And he said it took him eight minutes. He sentenced her to life without the possibility of parole. She will never get out of prison for what she did. Good. Experts who study psychopaths say that Brittany's personality and actions bear all the hallmarks of the condition, which is, it's not so much a mental illness as it is a personality disorder. And it's marked by superficial charm, pathological lying, and a stunning lack of remorse and guilt. Like check, check, check. Yeah. Lululemon put up this stained glass window in memory of Jaina that had I'm looking love. At it. Did you see it? It has love yeah. written in cursive across it. And when the store later moved locations, they shipped that window to her brother, who mm -hmm. has it hanging in his apartment now. Jaina was posthumously awarded her two graduate degrees from Johns Hopkins, and her parents accepted them on her behalf. And that is. The story. The worst the story I've women. ever heard in my whole life. I know. Isn't it terrible? But just, God, what a ride it is. I mean, Brittany's right. lies. Like, oh my gosh, Kristen. I know it is crazy. Every episode I try to find an organization that has to do with the case that we're talking about just to kind of highlight them and encourage people to check them out. And so, of course, for this episode, I decided to do the Jaina Troxel Murray Foundation these are annual scholarships, and this is from their website. We rely on the generous donations from friends, corporate partners, money-raising events, and others for donations, which in turn allows the foundation to make annual scholarship distributions to schools and organizations, which contributed to Jaina's academics, athletics, faith, travel, 
fine arts, and overall personal growth. The purpose is to honor Jana Troxell-Murray by supporting and promoting her life interests and passions. The foundation goal is to promote these interests, which were prominent and instrumental in defining and enriching Jana's life with the intended outcome of bettering the lives of others. So you can find them at the Jana tmf.org that's the j-a-y-n-a-t-m-f.org but the website doesn't look like it's updated in a while um so their facebook page might be a better place to go it's been updated more recently um i did try to make sure that they were still active and i believe that they are but they are accepting facebook messages so reach out to them if you would like to support them and support jana's memory and should we do our social medias? I'm not in the mood. Oh God, I was like looking down and reading at this and then I look up and your face is like crying. I don't know why this one's bothered me so much more than others. Well, okay, but she got caught. I mean, she's yeah. in prison, so with no yeah, parole. Yeah, she looks pretty rough too. I just mm-hmm. Yeah, no hair extensions in prison, girlfriend. No makeup in prison, no... No eyelashes in prison. Your laugh is over. <laughs> Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Creepers Pod. Or you can email us if you have case suggestions or feedback for our episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at creeperspod at gmail.com. And please, 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 please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. It will really help to grow the podcast. It's really the only way that we can grow this podcast is if you rate us and review us. So we so appreciate it. And that is it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to True Crime Creepers so you'll know exactly when our next episode drops, when I'll tell Mogab all about Anna Delvey and how she managed to use New York's social scene to con people into funding her lavish lifestyle. And don't be creepy.